I hope you had a good conversation while I was away. Turn in your copy of God's Word or in your devices to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, that's page 1055 in the Pew Bible in front of you if you want to follow along in the translation that I am using. Uh, we are continuing in our series which we have entitled Legacy uh, in a large part because of what we read in this letter to, by Paul to Timothy about how Timothy was to remain faithful long after Paul's leaving even this earth. And this, as we consider what a legacy we will leave, is the faithfulness of the church, but faithfulness of God's people. And a part of doing so, Paul wanted to help us to see that for us to be faithful, we're to be reminded of God's faithfulness to us, that he has shaped us for such a time as this, to shape you in a way that God has created you to be. And as we look at the scriptures today, we're going to look how we are being shaped by God. So if you begin reading with me in verse 1, we'll read to verse 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, remembering your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on my, of my hands for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to come to your word this morning. And as we have seen Paul pray and labor for the gospel, and then speak to Timothy, Lord, these words that you inspired were not just to Timothy in the church to Ephesus, but for us today. And so, Lord, as you have given us your perfect and errant word, may we also, as we read it, be changed. And so, Lord, we ask you to change each heart here today. Whether the person is a believer that has been faithfully following and enduring for many years, or someone who's come to consider Christianity and its claims, we pray, God, that your word, we know that is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, would pierce our souls and minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever watched a Hall of Fame induction speech? The one where a baseball player or a football player talks about all the things and the people that God uh, or that, that, that had influenced them in their playing life. There was worldly accolades that have heaped on them for their, their many accomplishments as a player. And in that speech, all of them get to a portion of the speech where they begin, and in some ways, maybe boring to us, they list everybody who's ever had anything to do with them. People that we've never heard of, people that we don't know, but has influenced and shaped them. It could be their little league coach. 
It could be their seventh grade English teacher. It could be their high school coach or position coach in, in the NFL or Major League Baseball. All of these people, they would say, family members, teachers, coaches, have been used to shape and get them to the ultimate place in their career because they know that they didn't get there on their own. And as Christians, we know this to be true, that we know that we have been shaped by others, but most importantly, we've been shaped by God. Second Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote from prison in Rome. He is writing knowing that he may or may not see Timothy and the church at Ephesus ever, ever again. He's awaiting a trial. He also knows that he's sickly and he's getting, and, he's, and he, he may die before even the trial begins. And he has eternity in mind because he knows that the end is near. And in these days, Paul is thinking and reflecting and praising God, really, as we see in these verses, of the people that God had placed around him for his ministry and his life and the people that are valuable to him. Paul's stated desire is to see Timothy one last time before he dies. And Paul is reflecting on this life and understands that it has been shaped by God. In verse 1, 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. Paul acknowledges clearly here that this was not his skill, his ability, or anything good in him. But it is by God's grace and ultimate sovereign plan that Paul has become an apostle of Jesus Christ and a planter of many churches. That Paul has impacted thousands of Christians in his day, impacted many churches through his leadership, and ultimately, by God's grace, used his writing, inspired by God, to impact billions. Now, Paul didn't know that, of course, but he knew and acknowledged at where he was in his life that God had shaped him, had moved him, had chosen the people around him, had put him in the places where God had wanted him to be. And that is by God's will that we know that he has been used. We know in the same way we as Christians have been touched by the grace of God, one in our salvation, that we know that it is not by our work but instead that God's grace had come upon us to save us. But in the same way, God in his sovereign plan has saved us for a purpose, saved us for a reason, ultimately to display the glory of God to the world, ultimately to share the gospel to the people that God has placed, us, placed around us, but ultimately to know to accomplish many things for the glory of God. And we too must understand that where God has placed us, he has shaped us for such a time as this. And we, if we understand and know at this point in our lives, have not acknowledged that we are not reaching our potential in Christ, 
that we are not reaching who we, God has in, made us to be. That for some reason, apathy has moved in. For some reason, because of sin or choice or even, even God's act, that he has moved us in a different path that he has thought that we thought we would be on. The reality is, is that we need to consider that where we are, God is shaping us into the likeness of his son and also being shaped by God for an important purpose. We need to acknowledge that if we're on a path that we didn't intend or ever dreamed that we would be, that it is not for us to complain or cry or move on about, but that God has us exactly where he wants us to be. And that therefore we are to look around us to see how God is shaping us to accomplish what he wants us to do right now. And as Paul speaks to Timothy, he acknowledges how God has shaped him and shaped Timothy for the gospel ministry. And in the same way, is shaping us. And in this text, I want us to see three things, three ways really, that we are shaped by God so that we can look for them invite them, seek them out even maybe, and make sure that we are being shaped by God. The first thing, if you're taking notes on your bulletin or on your phone or at home, number one, we are shaped by God through life-on-life discipleship. Verse two, we see, to Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I Thank God whom I serve with a great, excuse me, clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, remembering your tears. In all of life, we know that God has shaped us by the people around us. Teachers and coaches, supervisors on the job, in the church, there is, we know that we have pastors and teachers and even faithful other church members that have shaped us in our path. And just like a gem, if you find it in the, in the wild, so to speak, in nature, it looks like a chunky rock. But under the, the nature of someone who refines jewels to its most beautiful and perfect state, the same way God shapes us, it's possible Understanding to know that as Paul writes these letters, he is saying, I remember your tears. Timothy, you are my dearly loved son. There is a relationship here that Paul acknowledges that Timothy, I've been given the gift of God to shape you, but in the same way, Timothy, you've shaped me. In Paul's life, He came in Acts chapter 14, you can read that he came to Lystra and he met this young man named Timothy. When he came back to Lystra, we see that Timothy was spoken highly of by many different people, that there was a walk and a lightness and maturity in Timothy's life that came from being around Paul and being around other believers. And that sets apart on this long journey of faith that Timothy has with Paul. We read through the scriptures that, that, uh, that Paul and Timothy ministers together with Silas at Philippi around uh, 50 AD. 
Paul then flees to Berea while Timothy and Silas continue the work. Timothy rejoins Paul in Athens to bring word from the Macedonians. Timothy then returns to Thessalonica to encourage believers there under Paul's instruction. Timothy then, two years later, joins Paul in his ministry at Corinth and brings word of progress from Thessalonica. These are all things that we learn from Scripture. Timothy then comes to Ephesus to work with Paul during Paul's three-year ministry there from 54 to 56 AD. Then Paul sends Timothy with the Corinthian letter, the first one, to a very disoriented and dysfunctional church in Corinth. Paul comes to Corinth then in person where he and Timothy write the, the letter to Romans. Timothy is with Paul during Paul's first imprisonment in Rome from 60 to 62 AD. Upon his release from his first imprisonment, Paul goes to Ephesus and appoints Timothy as pastor. Paul writes 1 Timothy and Titus. The major persecutions of Christian in Rome were uh, following the great fire where Paul returns to Rome, is arrested, and writes from, uh, from Mattertime prison in about 67 AD, and then Paul is uh, martyred in 67 AD. If you take that journey, you see what an amazing life-on-life ministry and discipleship that these two men had for each other. All of Timothy's Christian life, Paul had been a major Christian influence. And in Paul's last days, now, writing again, he wants to give even more lessons. You know, Charles Spurgeon observed this. Oh, but it's a good thing to sincerely follow after God. May we be helped to do so. Isn't that the Christian life? That we know that we've got this gift to follow God, but we need to be helped. We need to be encouraged. We need to be shaped. So brother and sister in Christ, you need to acknowledge that you need someone else. The pride of doing it alone, even just you and God, is not the biblical way to follow Jesus. It is that we follow God with the Spirit's power and with the help of other believers. So, brother or sister, if you are depriving yourself, if you, considered, if you consider Christian fellowship as optional, if you walk into church five minutes before the service starts and you leave before the response song is over, you are not benefiting from being shaped by other Christians. If you're not in a life group or in some sort of Bible study with other believers, you are not being shaped by someone who is going through the context of Scripture to help you be molded as a believer in Christ. We know that it is by going to the Scriptures together and have someone else speaking these truths in our lives in a personal way is vital to our lives. Paul and Timothy had this over a decade together of ministry. We need it too. If Paul needed it, brother, I need it. I need it. You know right now that we have 21 men and women being discipled 
in trios that they might grow in their faith. And our intention is at the beginning of next year is that we open those 21 people up to say, who else wants to come along? Because we want and see the value of what Paul and Timothy says here, that we should be in close relationship with other believers, that the truth is being spoken into our lives, that we are being held accountable in our faith, and that we are growing in our walk with Jesus. And we must understand that we it is imperative to us. Were you ever taught to read the Bible? Were you ever taught to pray? Were you ever, are you ever held accountable to your sins to someone else? Now, if you're married, you say yes all, all the time. But in a deep spiritual way that you can speak openly and be held accountable. What about having deep prayer with someone? You know, I bet that if all of us were to stop and close our eyes and to think of someone who significantly shaped our life as a Christian, we could do so. Think about that. Who is that person? I bet a face came right up as I was speaking. Now, who are you being in their life like that person was to you? How are you shepherding someone else? Or even now, who is speaking and changing your life? Brother, sister, God has given us others to be in a personal relationship that we may be shaped by God. Secondly, we read here that we are shaped by God through godly homes. The rest of verse 4 says, if I can find it, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced it is in you also. Paul acknowledges that there was, that God placed a godly family, his grandma, uh, Timothy's grandmother and mother in Timothy's life so that a sincere faith and groundwork was done in the home that God used to mold and make and to an elder, a pastor in Ephesus. Throughout the Bible, we see the role of the family as important, as vital. The number one disciple-making place is not in the church or not not in a group, but instead in the home. We see this taught in Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and your mother. Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. As a parent, we know our role is to be the primary discipler of our children. And children, and we understand in the scriptures that the verse 20, uh, Exodus 20, 12 goes on to say that, that it will go well for you if you honor your father and mother. So kids in the room, I want you to hear this, that if your parents or parent loves the Lord Jesus Christ and is investing in you in the scriptures, count yourself as a blessing from the Lord. God has given you a gift that it is a difficult relationship at times. 
And it is hard, but listen to this, that you have parents that love Jesus is a gift from God. And you need to honor them because of it. But also to parents, we must understand that we have a primary role to seeing them raised in an environment where God can be at work. You see, number one, we understand that we can't save our children as much as we long to, as much as we wish they were born saved so we didn't have to deal with many years of dealing with an unsaved person in the house. We wish we could all live and save our children, but we can't. We know that's only the work of God himself. But we that it is our role as a believer that we must take them to the gospel, put the gospel in their hearts and minds, train them up with the scriptures, put them in an environment where they're around other believers, that we put them and are stewards of them Christian faith. You know, I do not understand conversations that I have more than one people. And I don't think anybody in this room, but I, I know that in many different places, that I've had a parent say to me, I asked them, well, why is it, you know, are you taking your children to church? Are they in church? Have you talked to them about Jesus? And they say, well, you know, I want them to figure this out on their own. I want them to be their faith. I want them to come across and this be their faith. As noble as that sounds, and as, as nice as that sounds, If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is truly faulty logic. Because we know that as parents, first of all, if you are a believer, you know that you and your children are born as children of wrath, dead in our sins. And the only hope that I have is that by God's grace, he came to me through Jesus Christ dying for my sins, and then by his work in my life, allowed me to see this good, glorious news and I was saved. That brought me from where? Death to life. If you know that to be true, and if we're children of wrath, we only have one path to go to hell and another path by glorious grace to go to heaven. I would never, you you as a parent, as I as a parent, would never leave such an important decision to a child or to your children as such as this. You wouldn't put them in a car, let alone leave their eternity up for happenstance. Secondly, though we know that it is only God that can save, God has given us a role for us to come alongside and speak truth in the gospel into their lives. You need to have them in church. You need to have family devotions. You need to encourage them by being around other believers. Paul David Tritt wrote this, the goal of parenting is not control of behavior, but rather heart and life change. Successful parenting is not about achieving goals that you have no power to produce but about being a usable and faithful tool in the hands of the one who alone 
is able to produce good things in your children. Brothers and sisters, Christian parenting is not easy. But we know by the power of God and by the grace of God, He works through us and can save our children. I know that there are many people here in this room who have been stung by a child who has wandered away or never trusted in Christ. This is something that I know that has produced many tears, many prayers, many discouragements, and, and, and much anxiety. But brother or sister, I encourage you to rest in the grace of God that saved you. That God is still able to save that you keep on praying and you keep on sharing. And by God's grace, he can say, remember that God is able. We know that the call of the Christian is to come to the Father who is, uh, that we understand that our prayers are being heard. So be encouraged that by grace, your children may return to the faith or be saved. We know as the Christian home and the teaching of the Bible is to have the husband as that spiritual head of the home. So, man, you need to be leading out. This is not something that is optional and you leave up to someone else in the family to take up. But instead, to have the spiritual conversations and, and, and time with your children to make sure that they know that their dad loves Jesus and wants them to love Jesus too. But we also know that there are many families because of either the impact of sin or out of the control of a believer, we know that life doesn't end up always with dad and mom. Sometimes it's one parent or the other. But brother and sister, look at this wonderful commitment of Timothy's life. We see no mention of a godly dad in his life, but a grandmother and a mom who faithfully taught them the scriptures. So parents, whether you're in a single home or in a, in a family where we know the husband and wife loves Jesus, don't lose heart. And actually, even more so, if you're a single parent, see the gift that the church is to you. Because what did Lois and what did Eunice do? She kept bringing Timothy around other believers entrusted him into the, the, the uh, mentorship of Paul. They knew that whatever was God was doing was going to also be done through a family of believers. So let us consider then how gifted we are in the church to trust our families to the congregation. But let us also consider how we shape children in the next generation. Think it. Think how you are helping play a role to help another family in the church. Maybe you're in a place in your life where your children are no longer living at home. Or maybe you're a single person. Maybe you could volunteer in a youth group or in the children's ministry to be a partner so that a child would have someone in their life that they know will encourage and pray for them that they don't have one or the other parent in the home. Listen, as a third generation Christian myself, 
knowing that my grandparents loved the Lord Jesus Christ and prayed for their kids to come to faith, and that my parents, who loved the Lord Jesus Christ and pointed me and my brother to the faith and to the church, I know what a gift that believers and parents are. But it wasn't just my parents. It was to my friend, Shorty Wright, who would be at the door to greet us every day at church. It was to the retired school teacher who taught in my Sunday school class. It was to the adults who welcomed me into the praise team at my church. It was to a youth pastor who allowed me to preach my first sermon. He wrote the sermon for me and I delivered it and and it was whatever. But I knew that I had some people in our church that cared for me. And brothers and sisters, we need to see how important it is that we as parents, but we as a community of faith, can shape the next generation of believers. Number three. We are shaped by God through the spirit of power. Verse 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Paul is reminding Timothy that God equips his servants to fulfill their ministry by granting spiritual power and gifting. Timothy was gifted for the ministry. Paul says, rekindle that gift of the laying on of hands, uh, of understanding that, that that Paul had said, hey, Timothy, I see this gift that God has given, and I am praying for you to commission you into the faith and faithful ministry. Timothy was gifted. But brothers and sisters, this is not something of a nature or nurture. This is supernatural. This is what God has given. And Paul tells Timothy to fan the flame of this. You see, the truth is all of us need a bit of encouragement and reminding to prodding time to time to rekindle the faith, to to watch out because our vitality wanes to understand that God has called us to ministry and to a faith and to be faithful, whether it's the ministry of parenting right now, whether it's the ministry of serving in a, in a, as a, a teacher or leader in the church, or whether it's just by being a faithful worker or student or something out in the world that you are living the faith out before other believers and that you have this ministry to tell the gospel and take the gospel to them. Whatever that is, you need to rekindle it from time to time, he says. And that we understand that we are not alone to do what God has called us to do. In verse 7, he tells us that we have been given this power and love and self-control. The Spirit does not produce a spirit of fear, but a fearlessness. This power or spirit was to encourage Timothy, but also to encourage us that we are to speak the gospel, to live the gospel, proclaim the gospel, and not be fearful for what we believe, and particularly in the gospel that has saved us. This 
power that we know that Paul has written about in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this is our call to not be apathetic, to not be laid back, but to be with zeal and power and fearlessness serve God in the world. We see this in the book of Acts when Peter and John boldly testified and were about to be imprisoned and possibly killed before the Jewish council. How do they respond? Well, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, they prayed and the place they assembled was shaken and were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with God boldly. Brothers and sisters, this is a power that is given to every believer that Jesus promises to be, that we would be his witnesses. But lo, I am with you always, that he will help us to carry out the global mission. And Paul stresses that God shows his supreme power in our weakness. The spirit-produced power enables us to endure suffering at times, encourages us and gives us hope. And whatever circumstances we know and see, that there's not a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. So brother and sister, take heart because God will complete the good work that he began in you. Never doubt, never stop, never be discouraged, never turn away. Never grow apathetic because the power of the Spirit lives in you to do exactly what God has called you to do. To bring glory to Him in every relationship, in every job, in every school, in every position, in every place, and for you to take the good news of Jesus wherever you go. An unbeliever, you may be thinking and wondering how you might lay hold of this wonderful, powerful, self-giving love and this power to live each day knowing that you are a child of God. Well, brother and sister, it came because Jesus died for you. And that through that, God has given them the new covenant to trust, to repent of your sins, and to believe in Christ and by grace receive salvation. Today, you can receive this salvation by trusting in Christ. That you can receive this power from the Spirit to serve Him, glorify Him, work for Him, tell the gospel for Him. Brothers and sisters, this comes not from you. Because 1 Corinthians 12.3 tells us, Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is in you and can be in you if you repent and believe. Judged by this surrounding context of 1 and 2 Timothy, brothers and sisters, we think of Timothy as a giant of the faith. Well, if you read about him, Timothy was just a regular old Joe like me and you. 1 Timothy 5.23, we see he must be physically weak. In 2 Timothy 1.7, 1 
he must be kind of timid. In 1 Timothy 4.12, he was still pretty young. But as we see in the life of Timothy, that we can see in our life, that God uses the the ordinary and the weak to display his glory, that in you God's power resides, and that he can display his power to the world. Thankfully, God uses jars of clay like me and jars of clay like you. That by the world's standards are nothing, but with the Spirit of God can bring glory to him and bring many to faith. May we see that God has shaped us and molded us and made us and consumes us and lives in us with his power to live for his glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for these words and the beginning words of this letter that we might see you have shaped us for faithful ministry. No matter what way we're serving the kingdom or serving the church or serving in any capacity, we we know and see that God, you have given us the grace, the gifting, to know and to, be ser- and to serve you. God, may we never be discouraged, but instead depend on the spirit that is within us. Seek out to be shaped by others. And Lord, I pray, and we pray collectively, if there's someone here at home, Lord, that has not trusted you, that they can receive forgiveness and the same power of the spirit by repenting and believing today. And we pray by your grace, today is the day of their salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.